Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, Wade Acuff returns to the podcast. Wade first appeared on the third episode of Art Condition. And on that episode, we were talking about the rise of online conventions during COVID. There were two other artists along with Wade, and we'll have a link for that in the show notes, so please go check that out. But on this episode, we focused just on Wade's career and the wealth of information and lessons we can learn from his experience. We start immediately with the story of how Wade got the opportunity to work on Lord of the Rings before he was even out of college. For most people, that would set the course of their career and no further questions need be asked. But Wade has consciously made efforts to keep exploring new territory. His curiosity has led him to always look for new experiences in both the type of art he creates and the type of work he does to pay the bills. This is one of my favorite types of stories to hear. It's encouraging and inspiring to hear about people who are always looking for new experiences artistically and professionally, and who make their way by always trying new ways. If you're a chronic experimenter, refusing to stick to one path, this is the perfect episode for you. But even if that isn't you, I'm sure you'll find Wade fun and interesting nonetheless. Let's listen. Anybody hasn't listened to our previous episode, I think you were on like the second episode that we had, or third maybe, anyways, one of the really early ones you were on with uh, Sarah Dollinger and Leslie Casilli talking about online conventions. That was a good conversation. We'll link that in the show notes, but for anybody that doesn't catch up on that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Wade. Give us some of your background. Uh, How did you get lassoed? by the art cowboy and hogtied. Uh, yeah. Um, well, currently I'm a freelance artist. I do, uh, I do motion graphics and animation as well as, uh, illustration, which is more of a, a later, more current career move. It's kind of like something I've always done, but, uh, it's, uh, put a little more emphasis in the, on it in the past few years. Um, but what got me locked in, I mean, it's always, someone always brings up, Hey, what, uh, you know, how did you start drawing or how did you get into art? And it's one of those things where I, as a kid, I always drew, was always looking for scrap pieces of paper. You know, uh, my mom would bring home typing paper from work and I would, you know, just go to town. Uh, and I just never really stopped. Uh, I never thought of it like, oh, I'm practicing for a career or, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, obviously I knew those jobs existed because, you know, watching G.I. Joe or cartoons or Disney stuff, you know, it's like, oh, animators exist and, you know, people are getting paid to do that. Um, but I think I was just hooked, just, you know, being able to crawl inside my own imagination and and play and make new things and, you know, explore worlds that don't exist. Um, 
and it just kind of led to like, oh, maybe art school was a thing. Maybe, you know, wait, um, should I stay in graphic design or should I move to animation? Well, obviously I had to go animation. So it was like, you know, just this every every step, there's been like a little incremental, like maybe this is how I still continue to explore all the imagination and stuff that I want to explore uh, and still have, you know, get paid and still have the freedom to do it. Um, so I'm still figuring it out. Uh, I think I figured one little thing out and then I moved to another one. Um, but that's a little bit of like how I got hooked, why I'm still in it. Uh, I've never had the, like, I'm done with this. I'm going to go, you know, get a corporate job. Uh, I was always like, how do I, how do I maneuver from where I am now into another, you know, uh, gig or position? Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit of the basics of that. So I know you as being an illustrator and I did not know you had animation as your background. So back then was purely 2d animation or was 3d. Uh, it was a little bit of both. Uh, the, the, uh, school training as it were, um, I went to Mississippi State, which is a state school, um, and uh, it was a little limited, but it was a, uh, a master's degree. Uh, so it was all 3D. It was like 3D was new. You know, this is this is the wave of the future. And um, and I, I say new; it had been around for a while. I mean, this was uh, I'm not quite that old, but I'm you know, it's that kind of realm of like, oh, there's still plenty of room in the industry to get in. Um, and there still is today. None of that old ways of thinking don't really exist when it comes to, you know, you can, you can start a new thing at any point as long as you work for it and, you know, no work at work at getting to the next level so that you are hireable essentially. Um, but yeah, that's uh so in that we actually had, you know, several animation classes that were 2d. Uh, we learned all of the, principles anima of animation doing 2D work and then applied it to 3D work. So it was, it was kind of a mix. It wasn't like um, they didn't, you know, sit us down and uh, we, we used, you know, like the, uh, the paper and the cameras, uh, you know, placed above and the cells and all that stuff as a basic, you know, as just a um, here's how the industry evolved. Because uh, there were a couple of animation history classes. Uh, but they, there were some practical uses of that too. So I've done a little bit of both. I've, you know, I did 2D animation work for Between the Lions uh, and uh, you know various other projects that have come along. But then I also do 3D stuff too. So it's it's a little, you know, I actually enjoy that. I, I love being able to jump around and work on various things. I'm not always the best, but once you get in a project, you you figure it out. You you know you. Your computer blows up. You go grab an iPad and you do a podcast. I mean, it's 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 what you got to do. So, what was the uh, early career of Wade? Um. Well, I mean, um, the the early career. If you really want to get my first art job, uh, technically, I was 16 years old and I worked for a carpet. Uh, factory called Greenville Mills. Um, they eventually was called U.S. Axminster, uh, and they made carpet for you know the uh, Vegas casinos and the White House and 
the only thing I notably worked on, I think it was like the Pontiac Silver Dome or something. I made a carpet that was in one of the little uh, foyers. Or, I, I don't know. I don't know where it got implemented. I never went. I just, you know, worked on a computer and made that. But um, uh, my mom had worked there and it was kind of like a, hey, give my kid something to do for the summer. Uh, previously, I was uh, mount. Uh, this is going to sound really weird. Mounting um, uh, tiles, bathroom tiles, uh, completely mundane story here. But my dad worked in construction. Uh, he, he was a department head. And essentially, you could uh, a row of 16 uh, four by four tiles. You can lay down one tile in the same amount of time as you could lay down a sheet of tiles. So if you made a pre-sheeted, you know, four tiles, you could save time. So when they had big, you know, lots of that needed, I would sit all day and tape tiles together. And then they were like, hey, this isn't creative. Can we try and, you know, get, get, get him in somewhere that can do something? So they threw me in front of a computer at, uh, in the art studio at USX Minster, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know. They were using, like, a proprietary software of placing, literally placing pixels to make... <laughs> like all of your design uh and they made some amazing carpet design it was like you would see some they're like oh that makes sense and then you would see other ones and it would just be super intricate and you know it's all about little tufts and how that one color changes you know you add multiple colors just like paint uh to make other colors and uh that blew my mind and i was interested in it from a from like oh this is really cool to do but also saying I cannot move pixels around like this and, and have it be, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking career anyway. I was thinking, oh, this is fun. I want to learn more. Uh, but that was moving into uh, college. So in, in, in school, I, I um, not to keep going on, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll say I went to school. And then uh, career-wise, when I was getting my uh, master's degree, I had a peer who had uh he had left school a year before me um and i was still there uh and he he calls and, and I, I kept in touch we were friends uh and he calls and says and I, I knew that he had went to work for weta and he sent hey he sent me a message saying hey they're gonna be looking for models modelers uh you know they're gonna increase the modeling department um i don't know when this is gonna happen i'm just letting you know i have no pull uh, you know, but, but you can put your name in the hat as soon as it's open. And I'm like, I didn't have a modeling uh, reel. I had nothing. I, I was like, well, what am I going to show him? He's like, well, it's up to you. You know, if you don't want to show him anything. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I, I spent a month like kind of skirting all of my other duties. Uh, you know, I had 18 hours of studio classes and all this other stuff. And I, and I got it all done. But in the mean, in that like extra little, you know, making a little bit of time here and there, I made a, a really bad, it wasn't that bad, but it was pretty bad, uh, modeling reel and uh, got it in there. And uh, it was a handful of other people that uh, I didn't know them, obviously, but there were other people for the position. Um, I didn't hear back. I was like, okay, didn't happen. It was worth a shot. Uh, finally got a message like, a couple of weeks later and they said, Hey, we're looking at you uh, and we'll be in touch. And I was like, okay, cool. 
a month or so. I think it was a little under a month went by and I was, I'd already been like, ah, it's not happening. It was, it was cool to apply. And, uh, I got, I got a phone call saying, uh, Matt Aiken, the, uh, model supervisor wanted to talk to me. And I think for my time, it was like, uh, like midnight or, or somewhere in there. Uh, and I was like, sure, that sounds great. Absolutely. Uh, and then, uh, they wanted to hire me on and, uh, I went out to, to Weta and worked there through Return of the King. And then that job led to, there was a, uh, headhunter job, uh, sorry, a headhunter looking for people to work on lazy town. And I was like, I don't feel like going back to the States just yet. Sure. I'll go to Iceland. So I went there and worked for a little bit. Uh, and then I came back and actually finished the degree. Uh, and then got a uh, studio job, a uh, local production company in Jackson, um, Jackson, Mississippi. That's where, where I am. Uh, got a studio job there um, and uh, did that for a while. Uh, but they worked on, I mean, we worked on movies and uh, short films and mostly commercials. Honestly, mostly, which is a lot of where my, uh, and I know this is one of the, the kind of other questions, uh, you know, local freelancing is is you know it's it's a grind but it, it you know you can get jobs doing doing uh you know motion graphics and stuff for you know whatever um but that's a little bit about the career up to now uh, i started freelancing um it's been almost 10 years since i stopped working for that uh company um and uh i mean Freelancing, you guys know, is, is, you know, ups and downs and uh, figuring out how in, in the I don't count the illustration career. I, I kind of say that it's like I started a new one in the, a new career in the middle of it, and I'm still trying to navigate that. Um, it's been about six years and I still are figuring out things, uh, how to how to get that going and make that sustainable. Uh, and like any any other part of the career it's it's a lot of work uh, but so, yeah that'll, that'll catch you up yeah. yeah we'll get into the freelancing stuff uh in a later bit because we have a whole section of uh questions on that but did you just gloss over the fact that the first job you had out of after college was working on the lord of the rings trilogy no it was before before he even finished i it's, wanted it's, to linger on that true. myself it's, like let's let's hang on this fact that before I mean, you even had a college degree you're like Oh, and then I, you know, I worked for Weta through Return of the King. Um, oh, and then I started doing this. <laughs> like, wait, 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 back up. <laughs> well, I mean, it 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 honestly was a place of privilege. Uh, just having known somebody that was working on it, and he said, "Hey, if you want to jump on board, you have a chance." And he didn't really say much more than that. He kind of like gave me a push and said, you know, it could be fun. Uh, it's a great environment. Uh, and trust me, I, I, I recognize that fully. Like there's not a lot of people that were, that are, will ever be in that position. Uh, but we will talk a little bit about that. If you, uh, through some of your other notes, uh, we'll loop back around to it. Uh, if you have any specific questions, obviously just ask it right out. But no, we'll talk. We'll talk about it more now. <laughs> Did you know going into it, like when you were trying to apply, that uh, you, that they were going to be working on Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah, no, I knew the project. I knew exactly what it was. I I knew 
uh, it was only Return of the King. So they had already done uh, and released uh, Two Towers um, that previous. I think I f- found out about the job potentially uh, in like February. Like I think school had just gotten like cracking again. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's living off of that Two Towers high. And anybody that went and watched it. And uh, I had been, I mean, I'd already been a Tolkien fan. And that's probably why the friend, uh, I, I remember us watching the trailer. Okay, so the trailer came out uh, for Fellowship, um, I don't know, a few years before. Uh, you know, they, they aired uh, uh, sequentially every December. Um, and one friend laughed at it and said, that's going to be terrible. And I was sitting there going, that looks amazing. Uh, and then the, the friend that helped me was uh, like, he was kind of like, oh, I don't even really know much about that. Oh, I think he knew. I mean, obviously he knew about it, but I had already, you know, read the book several times, uh, um, you know, was all all in. Uh, and that may have been like why he contacted me specifically and was like, hey, is this something you'd like to do? And I was like, uh, yes, please. Um, so if we're watching Lord of the Rings, or I'm sorry, if we're watching Return of the King. Mm-hmm like what's what what's the what's the part in the movie where we're like okay way did that uh okay um most notably uh well i did a lot of rocks so it's gonna be hard to be like oh here's this one rock <laughs> that's my rock but but uh it's more note more notable in the uh, extended edition um uh, the mouth of sauron gets beheaded uh and i worked on uh Andril. The, the sword, I modeled the actual sword, that, that, the digi- digital sword uh, that cuts his head off. That's, that's one of the things. Um, I mean, you know, the, it, it was the shards of Narsal, but then became Andrew. Um, but uh, what else? Um, there's a scene where the... Oh, this, this rock. There's a scene where uh, there's a cave troll uh, picking up and loading a trebuchet, which is the big catapults. Uh, that rock specifically, and the uh, the I did the dynamics model because uh, there's a lot of stuff that you don't see that that you know it's a dynamic model. Uh, it's not the physical, not, it's not the model you see, but it's uh, it's modeled to simulate the dynamics. The harness that he's wearing, um, the mama kill, the the big uh, olifants, a lot of their skins that uh that are on the big uh the um i forget what they were called but basically the big uh baskets they were in a lot of that stuff uh, i modeled uh oh the simulation model for um when uh no uh, spoilers sorry anybody that hadn't watched it <laughs> when uh when uh there's a cult the uh see it's after the ring is tossed in and they're running uh down the plinth I did the simulation model for the plant that falls into the lava. So there's, you know, so there's little stuff like sprinkled here and there that it, it was funny because uh, my cousin, uh, I came back, watched the movie with them, watched the premiere with family. And uh, he was like, just nudge me. He was sitting next to me. He's like, nudge me every time there's, you know, something on screen that you worked on. And so I'm sitting there like nudging him <laughs> every few minutes. <laughs> He's like, you can stop now. I was like, okay. It's fascinating when the, all of the how all of the pieces come together, you know, like you can it's it's not that you did the cave troll 
and all of his accoutrement but it's like the one part of the cave troll that you did it's just i don't know it's fascinating to me like how you could have like five different people working on you know one little thing oh yeah it it still blows my mind it it really is like an assembly line almost uh uh procedure and you have we had they had a thing called shot sub where uh it was literally like uh, a play blast or the the shot the digital shot that you're working on and it would have the back plate it'd be empty and it would, that's where it would start but you could look up a specific shot that you're working on and watch it develop so you know someone would uh you know publish the model the model would finally go to the animator now you would actually see that shot with something in it it's not rendered it's not any of that then then textures department would get a hold of it and you could just check in, Oh, where have they gotten with this shot? And you could watch a scene, you know, I mean, it wasn't real time, but it would be like, Oh, someone somewhere would render it or put it up so that it would, you know, be propagated. And, uh, you'd watch, you could watch the whole movie in, in little shots, uh, or at least the digital parts. Um, which is really, it was really fascinating. I had no clue what any of that stuff was like, you know, I'm coming out of college, uh, and I, I'm just wide-eyed and being like, "Tell me what to do." Just you point, I'll I'll do it. And uh, you know, fortunately, I, I worked with a great team. I mean, uh, I there's I know we'll get to the more of the like specific questions, but um, very very fond memories of of all of that time in New Zealand. I mean, that's a pretty fancy feather in your cap, you know, like being able to say that I, you know, even if it's just a, a handful of rocks, which I, it was more than a handful of rocks. But I'm just saying, like, if the only thing, you know, that you had from Return of the King in your portfolio was a bunch of rocks, that's, <laughs> that still seems like that's going to carry some some weight for you. No, no pun intended. Is am I am I mis- am I mistaken in that? You know, or is yeah. that like that, that looks good on a resume, right? Yeah, no, you're you're not mistaken. I mean, that's uh, trust me. I would have been happy to just just do rocks. I mean, I'd have been happy to be just a you know a player in that um, at that time, especially. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. You it, again, it's one of those projects that you know very thankful and feel very privileged to have been part of. Yeah, it's kind of a once in a lifetime sort of thing. But do you have interest in working on movies in the future or, you know, like more like in that sort of like higher tier um, entertainment industry area? Yeah, you know, uh, it's weird that you had a you had a question about um uh I think it said something like are, you know, you're not currently working in the entertainment industry, correct? It was something along those lines. And uh, technically, no, I'm not at a studio, but it's always a phone call away. Like, I've worked on uh, a couple of movies that uh, are a couple of shows that aren't credited. There was a Fox show called Proven Innocent. They bought a bunch of my artwork to decorate a, uh, a comic shop in an episode. Um, so they, you know, prop, they put everything up and they, you know, signed the contracts, did a thing. Uh, and also another show. Um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, 
uh, well, I did. Uh, I mean, I worked on Ma the same way. Uh, the horror movie, uh, if you're familiar with or suspense, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, anybody know Ma? It's a, oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Wait. Yes. Yeah. R- remind me of the the uh, what was the plot again? Uh, oh, uh, it was basically um, lady befriends a bunch of teenagers. Uh, and they ask her to buy alcohol and then they start letting her to, or they, she starts letting them use their base, her basement for their parties. And anyway, it goes off the rails. Um, Maybe I didn't see it. I, it sounds very familiar. I'm sure I saw like the, the preview for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did storyboards for that. And that again was uh, just a, a quick, you know, Hey, they needed someone local that could, do storyboards and not say local uh through the mississippi film office um and they knew to call me and that was that was all based on you know previous work they knew me you know i've been here for several years um uh so yeah uh i mean it's always a phone call away like it, I, I don't I ever think of it like i'm not in the industry but i'm not working at a studio and uh I probably would if the studio, if someone, you know, if, if the situation, situation came up that the fit made sense, if it was, you know, maybe more than a one-off contract, you know, there, there's very, there's, there's reasons I would be like, yes, I will go work for that studio. Um, It's, it's not something I'm pursuing. uh, So it's kind of one of those, like, I like freelancing, uh, but if the right thing came along, you know, I would do it. does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. You, once you, you have uh, once you have people, studios coming reaching out to you, it makes a lot of sense to be freelance and get a hundred percent of the um, income rather than sharing that with a studio. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier on, you know, that you sort of you're a dabbler, is what it sounds like, and you know, mm-hmm. and you're happy to sort of find way into new experiences depending on what opportunities are opening up in front of you it's just a um it's very it sounds very carefree <laughs> i know and i'm not downplaying the amount of work that you, <laughs> you put right. into it right. and i'm sure you have sleepless nights and stress about money the same way as you know everybody else i'm, I'm just sort of sitting in a bit of admiration as as to the way that you are sort of just like i yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it, I, one way or the other. <laughs> how do you? I mean, how do you go ahead? No, you have a question. What's the question? Because oh, I don't know. It was just a continuation of that thought, I guess. You know, just sort of like how how do you like formulate a vision of of your career? Does it just sort of evolve organically? And what what are what are the parameters for you? Well, see that, and that's it's funny because uh, when you when you guys were like, "Hey, we're uh, we're going to interview you today, and we're going to ask about your career," and I was like, "It's one thing I rarely just flat out open up about. It's not like I'm hiding it, or you know, it, it's just for me, it's not very exciting or entertaining uh, because it is so scattered. It is like, um, you know, uh, so I don't know, like as far as parameters, I, I really don't know how to explain it. I know that." There are things I'm interested in if if the job or project, which is what I really like to th- how I like to think about things. I worked on this project 
or this thing. It's not that I'm, uh, you know, carving out a place for myself in that career. It's that I'm uh, contributing to a bigger thing. It's not about me. It's about this other thing. Because that's really what it has to be when you're on a bigger show like that or any, you know, anything that it's not centered around you. You don't get to be the star. You get to make sure everything else looks great. Um, but they're not always, I mean, it may sound care carefree, but, uh, you know, there's uh, this kind of falls into the, the client question um, as far as bad clients. Um, but, um, that, you know, not everything always works out. The only film project that I've ever uh, not been paid for was a, uh, uh, an indie film called Burning at Both Ends, which I just found out uh earlier that apparently it, it, it had been held up it, it didn't they lost funding um a bunch of things happened and you know people didn't get paid i wasn't the only one um but you know you sign a contract like anything else and you know they're supposed to pay you and uh then they file for bankruptcy and you know there's a, there's all kinds of things they that can happen with a small independent film because what they do is they go out and find investors who, you know, they may be starting production and still looking for investors to finish the production they've already started. Um, but I found out right before this that it's completed and it has distribution. Uh, it apparently last December. So I've, I've got to make some calls and to figure out, you know, what, what no, I noticed none of the distribution seemed to be here in the U.S. No. So I don't know if that's that's part of it. Uh, it, it may not be true. Like I said, I'm just seeing this. So I, I don't know what's happening uh, with it. But it's not all, you know, it, it doesn't always work out. Uh, I will say 95% of the things that I've done have worked out. Um, so it's not going to stop me from, you know, taking the next one. You know what I mean? Uh, how yeah. often is the next one? Like, what are there like dry spells in this? Oh, as far as film work? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, until COVID, um, I usually wind up working about three shows a year. Like I wind up getting about two or three shows a year. I do something. I'm either, uh, you know, art department, set dressing, something, uh, which I haven't done set dressing in a while. But, um, you know, normally I will get called and they will say, we need this graphic or, you know, can you do this? And, and so like two or three shows a year, um, which isn't a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it can be a lot, but the workload for what I do is usually not very much. So it's it's not a whole lot. Um, so and that's also plays back into it's always a phone call away. Like I don't I, I don't always know what production's happening in the state or you know around, uh, even if it's not in the state. I mean, it, it just uh, it just depends. But right now, there's nothing. Like I have nothing on the horizon as far as film work, but. That doesn't mean it's not out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a couple of things to to play off of that. Uh, one thing that that we always like to touch on when we can, and you know, we always mention this before the show to you know be be as specific or as uh, vague as you want to be. Um, but I'm I'm curious. You know, two to three shows a year. Um, what's the what's the pay like? for that for the you know the area uh, uh of expertise that, that you're working in when you're working on tv shows um what would somebody you know reasonably be you know be able to expect right. 
Right. So um, that all depends on what they're asking you to do. Uh, I'll, I'll just use the burning at both ends example because that was the one that, you know, I don't mind throwing under the bus. Uh, so they, they owe me about three grand. That's not a lot. But for the work I did, I, it was about two weeks worth of work. So you factor that in, that's pretty significant. Um, but, you know, as of two or three shows a year, um, it depends on what you're doing. Like, I get paid more doing graphics because I can charge by the hour. Uh, you know, I can set my rate according to what I want to make usually off of that, you know, within reason. Um, set dressing, you're getting paid the rate that the film sets. Um, and you, and that, that's always like, is it a studio film or is it a, an independent film? Uh, you know, is, you know, is it a union based film or, you know, it, it, there's a whole lot of like different tiers of, of what you get into. Um, but I, you know, there it's, it wouldn't say it's a large part of my income, but it's enough that it, it hurts when it's not there. So it's like, you know, for instance, that one, that's that's still significant, but it's been several years that, you know, obviously I've, I'm, I'm doing OK, but uh, it, it does it does vary between the jobs and what they're asking you to do. The uh, the one off sale for uh, Proven Innocent was, you know, a contract to use. I sent them, I think I sent them like. Uh, maybe like 25 images, uh, all original stuff that I'd done that they had one use of in the show uh and you know i think that was like um it wasn't a lot either it was like 2500 or you know something but it was like that's it you know it's a one-shot deal and then nothing um like i don't get royalties when the share uh, the, the 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 show airs um so you know uh, and oh, you, oh. oh no go, go for ahead. it come in Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I think my I think my drink is ready. Yeah, no, by all means, grab grab it. All right. That yeah, that came that came up in that came up in chat, and I and I knew that you probably weren't watching it, so I had to answer on your behalf. Yes, yes, you probably want that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So and you mentioned that COVID. Uh, kind of put a halt to a lot of that is there word you know in the future of that like starting to come back online or what do you what are you doing in the meantime to sort of supplement oh um well i mean like i said that's not like a significant part of my income that's usually like um uh it's 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 one of the things so right now i am working uh with adobe doing some stuff um, and again, these are all like little bits and pieces of things. Um, so, uh, if you guys are familiar with Adobe Behance, um, it's their, they have their own streaming platform that they're really trying to get up and going. Um, and you know, I got in at, uh, as a beta tester for that, but they were paying people to stream. So Technically, it's you know it's it's a paid gig, but it's real just it's really just paying you for your time. It's not like you know they're not uh, it's not like it's not the rate you would you would get for a commission. Does that make sense? 
uh, and they have a certain amount of hours and they only pay it limit and you know it, it uh, but i guess technically you could say that uh professional streamer uh, you know put a little little another little feather in the hat i guess um <laughs> Uh, but then also, uh, they've been really great, and uh, I do some uh, moderation for them on their uh, Adobe Live streams, which I don't know if anybody knows this, but Adobe does eight hours of learning uh, live content every day of the week, five days a week. Uh, uh, Adobe Live, well, I think it's, I should know this, <laughs> b.net slash live or something. I don't know. I can't remember what it is. Um, but uh, so I do some moderation for them and that helps. Again, that is, you know, it's, it's a little bit here and there, but then you've got, I've got commissions and I have the animation work and, you know, local, local car commercials or whatever comes through. Uh, and that kind of like rounds out everything that I wind up doing. So as far as COVID is concerned, was concerned or is concerned, because in my opinion, until we're done with it, it's still going like until, you know, even on a like global scale. Um, but uh, things are starting to open up. There's already been some films in town. Uh, I don't. I didn't get a call from any for any of that. Um, but uh, there's been other, you know, like the commissions and, and things. And we talked about this with uh, uh, during during the stream that I was on before, where you know they canceled all the shows, uh, so people didn't have that. Um, but you know that some people were doing you know live or uh, online shows, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think as far as the film stuff, it, it it actually got back to work. They a lot of them got back to work pretty quickly. Um, because you know they can. It's kind of like setting up a camp when when you work on a film, and it depends on the budget budget of the film and who you know studio or whatever. They can they can. There's a lot there's a lot within their control that they can say you know. Everybody's wearing masks. You know, now I'm sure they're saying everybody's vaccinated. You know, it's like it's a they have the you know, they have their checks that they can make to make sure they get back to work pretty quickly. Um, I wouldn't say they're all full steam ahead, but, you know, it's pretty close. I'm pretty sure at this point. Uh, There was a question in chat for you that uh, I wanted to run by you. Um, Mercurial Forte. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Mercurial, Mercurial Forte yeah. says, uh, when you say set dressing, in your case, are you talking about art you make for them to use on the set, or do you actually do on-set crew work? It's on-set crew work. Like, uh, It's weird. That, it, that, that was a thing that I kind of picked up as a, um, like a secondary... Uh, any, I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but like... I really enjoy, uh, I like a lot of things about design and, you know, in general and that kind of stuff. But same thing goes to uh, uh, interior design. Um, And set deck, set deck is not, or set dressing is not really that, but it is that. Like uh, they have a warehouse full of furniture and they have to make a children's room over here, but then they have to make, you know, a family living room over here. Well, is it upscale or, you know, down, you know, is it, you know, like you have, there's a lot to consider. Uh, but then you wind up just moving furniture all day and you realize, <laughs> wait a minute. They don't care what I think about this. They just want me to move the couch. Um, but sometimes you get, you know, you get some art. You, you do a lot of lot in my case, a lot of times I, I did get to like 
make choices that, you know, this might play better here. This, you know, but it's, I'm not the art director. So obviously I'm not setting that, but yes, uh, Mercurial, that is, that is the set dressing job. That, that is what I did or do. I don't do that. I try not to take any of those anymore. That's it. That's the other part of this is like, I've eliminated some of the things I, I will do in the, in that film industry. Um, and, uh, if there's a reason or some, some kind of like, Hey, we want you to have a little bit more input, then I'll consider it. Um, the hollers was a, the, there was a job, uh, John Krasinski's first film directing. Uh, they hired me to do artwork for his main character who is a, he's a, he was an artist in high school and, you know, there's a whole thing. But they wanted me to do the artwork for him and for his room, high school room and all this stuff. Um, and on that job, I really, I, I, I got to meet Dan Clancy, who was the, um, uh, our director for a little film uh, uh, called Home Alone. Uh, and he was, he was really amazing. And I, he was the one that was contacting me for the artwork because he was going to dress out the set with all the work. Um, and we clicked, I, a huge fan of his, and I was like, I would totally be on his team. So I, I decided to do set deck after the other job. So sometimes it kind of, you know, there's little, you know, steps to getting to, to other parts of the film. Anyway, and it kept me employed for another month. So, you know, there you go. Uh, and Liad in the chat wants to know if you have a line to someone in Adobe because he has some notes regarding Photoshop and Illustrator. <laughs> as, um, as we all do. Honestly, so th honestly, there this is, was the real intent of getting you on the podcast. Right, right. This is the uh, the Adobe uh, <laughs> uh, scrutiny part of it. Um, there are um, there are places you can fill out tickets. You know, like I have a problem with and. You know, uh, I can I can get that to Joby and he can get that to you. How about that? I think the the ticket will read something like uh, Moose's uh, assumption. Everything stuck sucks. Uh, stop sucking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm also hearing in chat that people are excited hearing uh, about your background because you don't really talk about it on your stream. And I was telling Joby before the stream that. I don't really know a whole lot about your career. Like everybody else, I'm able to think like, okay, this person needs help. What have they done in the past and what can they do in the future? But you seem like you get your stuff together. So I haven't been prying into what your, what your past is. So it's always nice to hear more about this. Yeah. It, it is interesting because uh, no one, like, like I said, I don't hide it, but it never really comes up and I never talk about film work. Like I, I don't mind it. I actually, you know, it's, it's fun. But I don't ever talk about it because, you know, it just doesn't come up because I'm always painting or drawing or doing something. Like, no one makes that leap that, oh, you could be, you know, I was a production assistant on a, um, on a uh, um, Deep South Paranormal. It was a paranormal uh, a reality show for sci-fi. It was horrible. And it was amazing. So, I mean, it, you know, we got to, we got to ride around in, you know, fan boats in the swamp and, just this all kinds of crazy stuff that I would have never done if you know I didn't say yeah I'll I'll take this this job. I mean I was working with transportation at two o'clock in the morning during a thunderstorm on a muddy road, you know, uh, getting all the crew cars latched together. Uh, that wasn't my job, but it was such a small crew 
you know, so they needed a hand. It, you know, it's one of those like team player situations. But, uh, but I love talking about the film stuff. It just doesn't come up, and I'm not gonna like force it on anybody. You know, like, hey, look, I did this thing. You know. Yeah, no, for sure. And these are like I don't know my favorite kind of conversations to have is with people who have a hard time defining exactly what their job description is, you know, because so, you know, so often people have this idea, you know, of like what a career trajectory looks like. You do this and then you do this and then you go to school and you do this and, and then you have a career doing the thing that you do. And then here you are, you're like, well, I, I, I work on some movies. I work on some TV shows. I do some private commissions. Uh, I do streaming for <laughs> Adobe. You know, I've got this. So it's like, it, it doesn't have to be one thing. So it's, I, I would like to think that it's encouraging, you know, for anybody that would listen that doesn't have like this, like, you know, crystal clear idea in their head of like what they're going to do. It's okay. That's yeah. that in itself can be the thing that guides you is the uncertainty is the curiosity the refusal to uh zero in on one specific thing and then like have to disregard all of the rest yeah uh and you know honestly that was a long time coming like i thought the the you know right out right before college you know before i'm even out i had a studio gig and i was like this is this is how life's gonna be this is gonna be amazing uh, and then, you know, jumped right into the lazy town thing. And then I came back and finished uh, my degree, which, you know, the degree was just, it was more like just going through the motions. Like I'd already done the things that I'd set out to do, uh, or, you know, at that point, but I'd already had so much time and money spent into this other thing. I wanted to wrap that up and then continue. Um, but it wasn't until... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I never talk about this, but the, the same studio that I worked at here um, uh, was called iBox. Now it's called Mad Genius. Um, so I, for the, one of the toughest things I ever did was negotiate my own raise. And I thought that was the biggest, like, oh, my God, you know, you're finally doing it. You, and I'd been with them for like seven years, seven years, I think. Um, and I was like, it's it's past time. You know, I need to. And I thought, oh, man, I'm really going to get I'm getting paid. Uh, it, it went through everything. You know, they were like, sure, go ahead. Uh, you know, you know, this is great. Uh, and I think that was like early. It was late winter. It was like a February or something. And then uh, I went on a vacation in April. And they let me go right when I came back. And uh, they had had money issues, like the, the studio itself, I think, uh, had, was going through stuff. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. And the next week, I got on the phone. I took some commissions. I got some local work. Uh, you know, and, and that's what started the whole freelance thing. And I, for forever, I thought, what did I do wrong? It had nothing to do with me. It, it, it was just... You know, I just bumped my pay up. I was the first to be like, hey, let, you know, let me go. So they were the first to go, hey, you just got a raise. We can't afford that anymore. You're out. Uh, and they had a second. There was another uh, another great animator friend of mine, uh, Zach Pritchard, uh, does an amazing job. I was like, they, they're not losing anything. He's great. He's going to be able to jump into that role and go with it. Um, 
which side note, uh, I think he's leaving there. Uh, you know, T. But anyway, um, he's a he's a great guy, and they moved on with him, and then um, they actually hired me back for multiple shows. You know, like which was great. It was even better then because then I could set my rate, and they still needed the work. So, you know, it just kind of works out sometimes. And they hired me back for um, visual effects supervisor on a on a film they did. You know, it's you know, and it just it was like I made such a big deal of it at the time that I couldn't see that what you just described where it's like, Oh, it doesn't have to fit into this mold. I don't have to work at a studio. I mean, I can, but I don't have to, to make things work. Um, so it, it did take a while for that to kind of click in. Uh, and it was, it was those events that led to me going, wait a minute, why have I only thought if I don't work for someone else, uh, that's the only way I can survive. Um, However, when you are, you're, everybody knows this old adage. If you're a freelancer, you're working, you're always working for somebody else. Uh, you're never your own boss. But anyway. Well, I think it's kind of like what Moose said. Like you oh, can... no. Can't hear you. Oh, sorry. No, I oh, was pressing go. the wrong button. <laughs> I think it's kind of like what Moose said. You know, like if you have people calling you, then it's like, all right, well, you keep 100% or you just get a, a paycheck. Um, and so is that the sort of the main thing that sort of keeps you out of studios now is just like want, uh, wanting a little bit more of that freedom. Cause you mentioned earlier, like if the right situation came up, you would <laughs> grab onto it. I think that's what gives me that notion of, is this the right situation? Um, like I think it has to actually work for me instead of just going, yes, give me a job. Yes. Give me a job. You know, like, and that's, that's a little bit of, you know, there is freedom in that too. So I think, in a way, yes, that is what keeps me out of a studio job, but also the right one hasn't presented itself. I mean, I had, uh, I was talking um, uh, with a friend I made through a commission, very, very odd, uh, with Netflix this past summer, and they were looking at a certain position and job, and but it was all like, well, COVID's happening, but you would have to move out here. And I was like, it didn't work for me. I mean, you know. I, I'm not saying they were offering me a job by any means, but that was the the, the discussion. Uh, and it was like, uh, you know, they they still have my resume. That you know, that's all. That's it hasn't led to anything. I haven't gotten a phone call from them. So, if you're listening, Netflix, ringy dingy dingy, you know, <laughs> we'll send them a link to this to this recording for sure. Mm. I'm sure that'll get me hired. So, so, you know, one of the most, un, un, well, maybe I don't want to say unnerving, uh, it can, it can be a little uncomfortable sometimes when you don't know when the next paycheck or where the next paycheck is going to come from, you know, when you're working as a freelancer, do you have some preferred methods for, you know, where you like to find work, how you like to put yourself out there to sort of ensure that they, that the phone calls do keep coming? Uh, first, uh, you know, save as much as you can on every check, save as much as you can look on the ground for loose change. There's pennies and dimes. I mean, check the crevices, always check the crevices. Um, yeah, uh, for me, I, when, when things are really getting rough, like I'm like, wait a minute, I should be doing something, you know, uh, right now. Uh, I, I have that kind of 
fallback of people I've worked with before. And I will pick up the phone and be like, Hey, you need anything? Is there anything like, I don't, I don't think when you're a freelancer, you can shy away from every uh, opportunity, you know, you have, you have, if you have too much, you can turn it down. If you don't have enough, then you got to, you know, start looking. Uh, and you, you guys know that you're always looking, uh, even when you're busy. So that's part of it. Um, I think I was telling you, like, things have been a little bit light lately um, on the commission side of things. Uh, so now is one of those times where I'm like, you know, calling up people I've worked with before and like, hey, is there anything going on? Is there something I need to know about? Is there a, you know, and it usually wor- leads to, you know, word of mouth and then somebody will, excuse me, get in touch. Uh, there's no uh, hard and fast way that I like, I need a job. I'm going to, you know, I could always put out applications to studios, but that's another, you know, that we've, we've kind of covered that. But um, as far as freelance jobs itself, I haven't had a lot of, um, I think, uh, as far as like social media stuff, um, that has not been a huge win for me. Like I don't, I get some, like I've maybe had a handful of jobs from that. But I've gotten to uh, meet other people that have sent me, you know, like, oh, this person I know from Instagram. Well, here's this other person I met that I know his work from Instagram. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a kind of a sideways connection. Uh, And then, you know, once someone commissioned you, that's another person you can call if you're like, hey, you know. You last time we talked, you were talking about blank. Is there any movement on that? You know, it's really it's really simple. Uh, there's one thing I want to echo uh, that you said a moment ago, where uh, even if you're busy, you're still looking for work. Because I know there have been several friends who have had their fill of work for a little while, and then they think, I don't need to keep looking because I have work for now. And then inevitably, and inevitably, I can't say the word, but eventually, <laughs> they uh, they find that they're done the work that they have. And they don't have more work to do, and thus they're out of work for a few months while they're looking for more work. But if they had been looking for work while they had work, then they would have more work lined up. Right. And it's easy to ask for, uh, like a lot of people worry about having work on top of work. Well, when you before you take the job, you tell them, "I have this much bandwidth now," but when these jobs are done, I'll have this much bandwidth to work. So if you can hold off when you need that, I can get to it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to take the job now and get started on it. Now you take, you know, half up front or whatever your thing is, you know, whatever your retainer is. And then you move forward from there. I mean, I've, I've done work like that where I was currently busy and said, I can't get to any of this for six months. And they've been like, sure. Okay. And it's, you know, just because you asked, you know, if it doesn't work, they say no, that's fine. And if they do say no, always send them to a buddy, send them to somebody, you know, that might be, you know, hurting or needs, needs work or whatever. Um, as long as they're, you're confident that they can do the job. That's the other part of that. Yeah. So how do you go about pricing yourself? We touched on this a, a little bit, but when you're freelance, and you're doing lots of different kinds of jobs. 
if you just have one kind of job that you're like, yeah. you know, specialize your freelance attention on, that can be difficult. But you're like, okay, I'm doing this kind of thing and then I'll do this kind of thing. What is, what's your uh, methodology um, for figuring out, okay, how much should I charge this person? Well, that changes all the time. Um, usually up, usually up. Uh, now, the, the, the television and, you know, any, any film stuff kind of works itself out. Uh, you know, usually it's like, here's the rate we offer. If you say no, they just move on. But, you know, it's like they're not in a, they're, if you're not in a position of a negotiation, they're not going to negotiate. Um, as far as commission stuff, it's it's a lot like everything I've heard you guys say before. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a rate sheet necessarily, but I have a range. Um, much like uh, the the Reddit uh, group. uh uh, can't remember, recall the name of it exactly, but fantasy artists. That's it. That's it. How dare so you have a, you have a range and you have a rate and, uh, but I also like to work project to project. Like, and this, this is where it can get tricky and like proceed with caution. There are times I will take jobs that I know I'm going to eat it on, on the, uh, you know, exchange for time. But I, I know that going into it. So, uh, I'll just give you a, for instance, uh, there's, uh, another podcast that, that commissions me to do stuff. It's a D and D podcast. Um, and they don't have a lot of money, but I like D and D and I like making characters. So I cut them, you know, you know, for their, what they need, I cut them a deal, uh, but only so much. So, so, you know, he may, they may want like multiple things and I'll say, I'll do one thing or two things for that whole package deal. And then, you know, it kind of changes the, the cost a little bit. But like I said, proceed with caution with that because then you're like, well, why did they, why did you cut them a deal? It's like, well, because I'd much rather do, uh, you, you still have, you know, your choices. I would much rather do D&D art or fantasy art or sci-fi stuff than you know um, a medical illustration you know I, you know i don't know it's just like there there's there's as a freelancer you have your options uh but i don't i don't um even though i give them a, a, a kind of a, a deal it's not really a deal it's just i do less pieces for them but they still pay you know a, a fair price um so you limit the scope to fit their budget yes exactly and and i like to do that i like to work if it's something I'm interested in, I like to work with them to make it work. Um, if it's something that I'm like, ah, you know, I would probably pass on it or, you know, when I say pass, I mean, send it along. Um, it just depends. Uh, so I do like to do that project to project. Yeah, you will get no's. That's something that you have to just kind of come to terms with. And sometimes it shoots you in the foot. I, I, just recently went through that myself where i i might have i might have killed the golden goose um they had a some projects with a, a great company they were great to work with and they were like we want you to do some more work and i was like well i'm like real busy now so i would have to charge a little bit more and then got ghosted so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that happens but on the other hand hmm. uh this kind of stuff can save you from working with a nightmare client. I'm not saying that client was one, Joby, but just in general, when you say I need to be paid a fair amount and then they say nothing and they go away, that that's not you losing a client. That's you saving some sanity. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So when you're, you were talking about social media before, uh, you, and I've heard you elsewhere say, well, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not really as diligent about it as I should be. Um, right. but we don't really know anymore. Like what should be is, and you seem to, to do all right. So like, I always like to talk about this a little bit with everybody. Like what, what role does social media play for you? Well, are we including streaming in social media? That's a, that, that's a good question. Yeah. Moose is nodding. Yes. And I mean, te- I, I say technically yes, but I don't know. Tw- like as when like Twitch and you know, I, I don't, I've never been on Behance. I have to admit, but it feels different. I feel there's, it feels like there's like a, yeah. like a qualitative difference between something like Instagram and Twitter and, and Twitch, but go ahead. Well, I would say that you know, there's also like something like Instagram Live, which is basically the same thing as streaming, just it's on a phone, which is stupid. But um, anyway, so t- Twitch is basically well, there's one live person, and then it's social media. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll approach it that way. Um, yeah, I've only used uh, Twitter and Instagram as a communication device, but like visually. Uh, now I will say when I'm going live and stuff on Twitter, just so that there's a place somebody, if they really want to, you know, if they're really keyed in and want to know when I'm on, they'll see it. Of course that leads to, you know, hundreds of going live, going live posts. Um, but I've never really gotten anything out of the grind of Instagram, uh, or posting. And I would say like, I don't curate. Like, I, you know, people make these really elaborate, uh, you know, clean multi-frame uh, that, you know, they use it uh, and, and no knocking them at all. But I'm kind of like a, a work in, work out. So I finished one, I'm putting it up. I finished one, I'm putting, you know, here it is. But I use it like I do the streaming because for me, it's more of a, here's a place where people that don't know me, that I can't show my sketchbook to them. They can see my work if they want to see it. It's a place for people to see stuff. Uh, and I don't know if it's just my approach or, you know, what it is. Also, I noticed the, when I, I'm very, like, late to Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so in the first, like, three months or so, I had, you know, quickly 500 followers. And then something changed. And then for the last several years, nothing. Like, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I didn't quit you, you quit me Instagram. So, you know, it was just one of those, like, I can, I can only expend so much energy and have that be justified to to deal with, you know, social media. Yeah. So Instagram, what they do is at first, they do the same thing with uh, uh, dating apps, like the new accounts will give some extra traction to, and then if it doesn't keep ramping up, uh, then they will cut it off until you show them some reason to keep doing it. And that goes back to that old, uh, Social media po- uh, that one uh, post was on um, why your Instagram uh, account sucks lately, and it was a list of all these things that they want you to do. They want you to do this many Instagram lives. They want you to do this many stories, this many posts, all per week, and it's impossible for anybody to keep up with. In order for the algorithm to uh, treat you well, you have to go out of your way, and it's not a very organic way to grow. Yeah, I, I saw that. I know what you're talking about exactly. And after looking at it, I was like. I don't have the energy like this this 
is not my full-time job. Me making sure I have Instagram growth is not going to help my artistic growth. It's not going to help me be creative. It's not going to, now I know it's a, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's kind of your job now. If you're freelance, you know, you know what you should be doing. Um, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do what I can. But if that means I'm not going to have the time to, to, you know, do a study or, you know, draw something, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Uh, it, once I feel like if everything, anything were, got came back for me, you know, like after posting something, um, and and I saw a return on it, then it might be worth more of my time. But I, I've not really, you know, and I love when people like like stuff and comment, and I'm, you know, sure everybody likes that. Um, also, notice just a little footnote. The 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 thing that I got the most likes on ever was a, a a fan art piece when I do mostly original stuff. And I was like, I'm, you know, that, and I, and I did that as a commission. It was someone asked me at a, at a convention uh, and I posted it and it was a, a Transformers piece. And, you know, I got way more likes than anything else. And I was like, I don't care. I'll be original. Uh, and I love fan art too. I just, I'm just saying like, it's just one of those little side notes. Like you have a built-in audience for that. So, you could play to that if you wanted to. If that's a strategy you want to do, go for it. Yeah, it's a marketing thing. Uh, yeah. um, that's uh, fan art has the built-in resonance with the audience. Whereas if you're doing something original, then you have to find some other way to tap into it. Whether it's like a, a, a fox on a um, in a forest that might speak something to the people that have you know, experiences with, like uh, loving foxes in nature or whatever. Right. So it. Yeah, it's a fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, Annika in the in the chat had uh, a question. That I think is good for you know somebody that has a lot of experience working freelance and dealing with clients. Um, and they were asking if you have any advice for beginners dealing with clients who don't pay on time, like even if you have a contract in place. Well, the way I handle that is um, anytime I'm dealing with some with anyone, uh, with you know, commission client, however that works, um, I usually have uh, half up front, so I'm going to get paid. I'm going to walk away with something. It's going to I'm going to walk away with my time at some point. So I don't even start until I get that first payment. Uh, but it also gets them, you know, invested in. Well, I gave them half of what I'm, you know, uh, going to pay. So I guess I'm in on it. You know, like I've never had anybody pay half and then not, you know, pay the rest of it. Um, but everybody can make their own kind of rules for that. But um, I mean, I don't really know what advice to give beyond if, you, if it's really worth, you know, seeking legal help. That might be a way. Uh, and, and I think if you provide them with a contract and they don't honor it, but it does state that, you know, uh, upon completion, they owe them, then you have a, you know, a legal argument. Um, I, the one thing that I always say about client, like how you deal with a, a you know, a, a kind of grumpy client or, you know, a, a bad client is practicing patience. It's really tough, really tough to do deep breaths, all of that. Um, but if if you have if they have your money 
and they still owe you, you don't want to, you know, blow the bridges up that connect you to. So somehow you have to figure out how's this going to work out for both of us. Now, sometimes you may have to walk away, but I, you know, I, I don't really know beyond that, uh, you know, any, any more information as far as like what to do when they just refuse to pay. I mean, yeah, sometimes it gets kind of bonkers because if they just Have keep refusing and keep refusing, then it's like, yeah, you can take legal action, but how much is that going to cost you and what's going to be involved and, you know, all right. the legwork and, you know, ultimately, are you going to spend as much time trying to get the money, you know, or like in terms of like yeah. value for time, the amount of time that you'll put into it is like more than what you're going to get out of it. So, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. I, Have I mean, you? I, Go ahead. Have you ever had that situation? I was just thinking about that. I I don't think that I have. No. And I knock on wood. Right. Because I think it's like, because I I hear nightmares about that. Obviously, like this question, you know, and um, in other groups, uh, you know, I've seen people talking about um, uh, the one that can get really gnarly is if it's like a private client you know just like a private individual commission and they uh, um i can't remember what it's called there like paypal has this feature where you can uh you can like rescind the payment like you basically Mm -hmm. like put in a ticket with paypal and you're like i want to get this money back and paypal inevitably sides with the purchaser with almost like no recourse for arbitration they're just like okay cool boom you got your money back so it's kind of i don't know f you paypal um steve also had a question about your uh your movie career um i just want to modify it just a little bit his question was like how many ways can a movie production go wrong before it shuts down i would want to modify that only to wonder like how secure is working on a movie like if you get hired to do a job like that um is it just like do you get paid up front or like is it kind of one of those things where like if, if it doesn't go all the way through to production then you just kind of SOL? Yeah. Well, um, I would say if there is a, uh, studio on board, like a, one of the large known studios, you're probably going to be set. Like you, you don't have money issues. Aren't going to be, a, aren't going to be an issue typically. Uh, if it's an indie film, you kind of have to like do some legwork and research you know, do they have funding, uh, you know, figure out as much as you can before actually taking the job. Um, I was working, I'll, I'll just use the burning of both ends again for an example. Um, I had worked for Darcy Scanlon, who was the art director before. She's amazing. Uh, and I don't fault her in any, any way on that. That was the, that was the film that I didn't get paid on. Um, so she gave me the call and I was like, oh, she's great. I'm because she called me, I'm willing to work on it because I don't think she would work on anything that would uh, be suspect. And I, I to be fair to her, I don't think there was any indication that it would be. I mean, they had this this movie had, you know, Carrie Elwes and um, uh, I can't remember the other people involved. There were there were several like known actors involved um, and they were shooting. It was all being shot. Everything was, mo- you know, smoothly. Uh, and I, I actually don't know what happened in the production. To, to derail it um but you know just me base basing like oh I, her reputation's good and i like working with her so i'm gonna go ahead and do this 
uh, you know, caused that whole like, oh, uh, I mean, I did what I could and it seemed like it was fine. Um, but then when the first two week check literally bounced and then I got a fee for it, uh, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, and then then after that, everything unraveled. Um, uh, I did get all of that back, but that's another another crazy story. But um, there was there's really no way to know uh, if if it's an independent and you're not like, you know, I would look at track record of producers. That's always a, a good if they've never done anything before in their life. You're kind of like, eh. but if they have several things and, you know, it's kind of just doing some research and doing your homework. As long as we've bounced back to the topic of, you know, working on movies and uh, entertainment industry stuff, what do you love most about that kind of work? Oh, man. Uh, and I, I, I got to go straight to the Lord of the Rings stuff on this one because that and I know there was there's a lot in hindsight that I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of your first studio gig. So I didn't know what not to like. Uh, so I thought like, Oh, long hours. Yeah, that's awesome. We're all working together. That's awesome. But, uh, I don't know if this was, uh, and shout out to, uh, Matt Aiken, who was the, uh, models department head also, um, godfather to Peter Jackson's children. I don't know. Um, but he, the, the whole time I was there, it was like, guys, we're on a, we're on a team. Uh, and I don't just mean, I don't, I don't just mean um the models department everybody was working to make the best production they could i didn't want to let down the people on my team in the textures department animation i mean it was like if i can't you know step it up or if i can't make the best thing i could possibly make i'm gonna let everybody else down and it felt really good being in a like we're all you know had this trajectory of making this epic thing um, I've only felt that a handful of times, you know, there's like, you know, sports situations where that's happened. Uh, but working wise, uh, that was probably the best thing about it. In hindsight, it was like, oh, those were some really long hours. That's probably not sustain sustainable. Um, uh, Sounds like the video game industry, to be honest. Yeah, no, and it, and it totally is like it totally was. And, you know, and the thing was, though, they weren't asking you to do those hours that was all from from me at that time that was all voluntary that was like sure i can do it. and now i never pulled all-nighters it didn't get that crazy but it was uh and they did take care of you i mean like it was you know uh, and a lot of places do this but it was like you know if you stayed in the studio you never had to pay for food you know you were just getting taken care of and you know all this stuff um but uh you know there's other things like um, there's a movie called same kind of different as me. Um, it's a very weird name, but, uh, um, it had, let's see, uh, let me, let me look it up real quick. Um, so the, but in that movie I was working, uh, set deck, uh, or no, I was working props. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and there was a scene where we had, <laughs> Uh, we had, uh, it was, uh, Renee Zellweger, uh, Greg Kinnear, John Voigt, uh, Olivia Holt, uh, Jiman Hanzu, uh, you know, a bunch of big players. And that day we had Renee Zellweger and Greg Kinnear 
And uh, we were doing a lunch. Uh, they were serving lunch at a homeless uh, shelter. And props has to deal with food, you know, right? We had like uh, nine double-baked lasagnas. And uh, the thing was, we, we, the scene was uh, uh, Renee Zellweger's character was uh, serving up food, right? So we got through the first six takes or, or whatever, six, you know, uh, goes at it. And uh, they were like, well, we need more lasagnas. Well, we had to re-keep fabricating, you know, uh, propagating the lasagna. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have fresh ones. So we had to like take the plates back, reform it back into a lasagna so that they could serve it again and have it look still decent. Uh, so that, that was like mind blowingly difficult. And like, they're yelling, I mean, not yelling, but you know, there's pressure on the like, Hey, we got to have this now. How soon is this coming out? And we had a, uh, we had a, a really young assistant, um, on that one. And I think he was about to crack. Uh, he was a super cool guy, but you know, I was like, "But we're just gonna make a game out of it." I was wearing an apron, you know. We were doing the whole thing behind the scenes, and uh, it wound up being fun. Same sort of situation on a, a James Franco film where uh, he was, I think, was as I, as I lay dying, he was uh, uh, playing a character who like tears into a birthday cake. They had two cakes. They didn't know what he was gonna do with it. They just knew that they had to have two, you know. Okay, so we had to like put the cake all back together between takes between two cakes. And they did like 10 or 12 takes on it. It was impossible, but it was also fun in that weird, like anxiety ridden, like we're never going to make this happen. And then, you know, if somebody comes running through with a spatula of icing, we're going to do it. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's pretty crazy. That reminds me a little bit of uh, when you watch a movie and they're supposed to be out in the wilderness and you can see like the, uh, the tire tracks because they've had to go back and forth in right. the area so far where right. you see like tons of footprints everywhere. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. But you were able to actually uh, like reestablish all this stuff so that people didn't know, hopefully that yeah. that was the 10th time they've served that lasagna. Right. By the, by the 12th take of the cake, it was just <laughs> uh, like hand prints formed, you know, it kind of resembled a cake. It was not good. But I don't, I don't even know how much they used of it. I just know that he just reaches in and, you know, grabs it. It's, it's wild, like, you know, how the, the actors, the actors and the director and the producer, I, you know, there's like the top tier people that like get all the credit for a movie. But man, all this behind the scenes stuff that just like, oh, dude, oh, that's the stuff uh, that it's built on. Yeah. And on that note, uh, Renee Zellweger was awesome. Like she thanked everybody. Like she personally, you know, was like, "We, you guys did a great job today." You know, like it was, it was, you know, something you don't see a lot. Uh, she was amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say without naming any names, like, <laughs> are, are, would, like, have you had some real a hole experiences? Oh, or you're just uh, like, f that dude. There's been some. Uh, I think it's kind of like comes with the territory, and I'm not gonna name names, but uh, yeah, and they're not. I mean, not all like it's it's a mix it's like with anything in life it's a mix mm-hmm. well I, I had a um oh, i have an industry uh, i think we can throw in there throw a celebrity under the bus uh kevin spacey uh, long before the whole thing came out uh one of my uh friends who i met through the zombie run thing he used to be a producer on a set of uh, house of cards because this was down in the maryland area 
and uh, he was a, a, a relatively low-ranking producer on the show. On the show, and so Kevin Spacey said, "Hey, we're going to have a party. I want you to come." And so he went to Kevin Spacey's house with a friend, and it, when he got there, it was just Kevin Spacey and one other dude. Awkward. So they left, and after that, he was fired. Wow. Sizzling. Uh, That's the sound that yeah. you that you hear in the background. Fucking sizzling. That's goddamn. Anyway, well, to counter all of this, uh, what, <laughs> what do you hate most <laughs> about working in the um, industry? You know those those pressure moments are pretty bad too. Even though they're great, they're pretty bad too. Um, uh, the I think. Usually what I, what winds up being the things that I remember not liking the most, uh, there will be those uh, awkward interactions um, that we that we were just talking about. Like, you know, someone's uh, an a-hole for no reason. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to be this way, but you did it because you knew you could get away with it. Um, that was pretty bad. Um, sometimes the hours are weird. Like they'll do night shoots. Nobody likes night shoots. Um, like they'll flip days for nights so that you know they'll have a. They'll usually have a brief break, and then you'll have like you know depending on how many nights they'll do like a three day work week that's completely hours are reversed. So you you have no no time to adjust, but you have to go to work the next day. Um, on uh, on some union jobs that works out for you because you know they have like. Uh, double and uh, you know triple pay and you know all this other stuff that kicks in after so many hours of overtime. Uh, but we're talking about stuff we hate, right? Um, I only like to focus on the things that are are, are pleasant. Uh, That's a good way to be. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of something that I, I know there's something I'm missing with this, but um, generally well, that those are the things that, I, that stick out to me. Well, and that could feed to another note that I had that I wanted to ask you too, um, you know, about that whole area is if you had any advice for junior artists that wanted to pursue, you know, a similar sort of career path. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, if you're, if, as for studio work, uh, I would say and not just from my own experience, but just, you know, um, in general, try and be, try and be kind, try and be good to people. Um, in, in the sense of like going to school or that kind of thing, uh, look around you, the, if, you know, if you're in school, those people that are your peers are probably going to be your leads someday. They may be coworkers. Uh, they may help you get the job speaking from my own experience. Uh, I know a lot of times there will be that kind of like competition thing where you know, like this person's going to edge me out. No, they just may be along with you. Like, don't, you know, always think of that as a, anytime you make an interaction with somebody, it's, it's an opportunity, you know, to make a friend to, you know, be, I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing, but it just feels like, uh, cause I, there's, it's tricky when it's, being being competitive with with artwork or with you know anything in the art realm you are competing people want to know are you better than you know this person for a hire but 
there's so much to do in a studio production or, you know, studio job. Like those people are going to get hired and then someone may ask them, you know, who do you know can do the job? And, you know, there you go. Um, other than that, uh, don't get distracted by failures <laughs> because that, that, that easily is a thing. Uh, you apply to, you know, oh, I put out five resumes, sent five resumes out. Well, that's, and I, and I didn't get any callbacks or I didn't get a job. Well, that five didn't even happen. Just keep sending, keep going, even if it's at the same place. I mean, you know, it's, it, it is tough to do. Like, it's one of those things that you hear people talk about all the time. And it's really hard to swallow, uh, you know, any kind of those, any, any of those things that you would consider potentially a failure. Sending out a resume is not a failure. That's an attempt. An attempt was made. You did a thing. Keep doing that thing until you get some results. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, like, uh, sometimes the things you apply for at first, when you don't get them, that's actually a blessing in disguise because uh, you may lead to something that's better on, for you, even if it's not better paying, better fit for your skill set. Uh, I didn't get into med school, medical school. I probably would have been, a, I, hate, I probably would have hated being a doctor with all the responsibility and the endless hours and all that stuff. So I have a nice job where I'm sitting at home all day. That's much more better, it's much better, uh, better fit for me than being at a hospital all the time. And you so, don't have to try and be nice to people. That's right. No, there's no trying involved. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, you mentioned a little bit before, you know, about patience being important for difficult clients, difficult people. Do you have any nightmare client stories? Um, I mean, none that I'm going to like, call anybody out on no not not a yeah, not yeah. a no names but you know just like right. circumstances um, <laughs> and and how you dealt with it the, and, I, and i did talk about like i've been i think i've been really lucky in that sense uh i've had multiple clients where we started off on a weird footing and it kind of got a little worse but in the end it turned out i walked away better off uh, and I say walked away, like we finished the, I finished the commission. Uh, and I think we ended on good terms. Uh, and I didn't have to break a contract, uh, you know, but it was only that kind of like, Hey, I don't think we're seeing, like we had to have the talk where we're not quite seeing eye to eye here. Here's what we discussed. Here's what we're doing. Uh, and you know, they had the same, like, Oh no, we were doing this. Uh, and it just took a lot of like, almost like talking therapy sessions, uh, which was really bizarre. I had several meetings with them, um, uh, some voice, some just, you know, uh, airing of grievances. Uh, but it was all very, like, oddly, that kind of, like, uh, cordial, hey, I don't know if you're feeling the same way I am about this, you know. Uh, but we got through it, and it was over, and, you know, they're happy, I'm happy, you know, I got paid. You know, I don't know. I don't really have a. Uh, I mean, besides the um, the not getting paid on the the uh, burning at both ends, I'll mention it again. Uh, they, you know, the there's nothing I can do about that one. That was that was a, uh, and they weren't a nightmare. The people I was working with was amazing. They were amazing. They just didn't pay me. You know, the 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 uh, production company didn't pay me. Um, so as far as personal like commission one on one client, I don't really have any. Thankfully. Knock on wood, like you said, I don't really have any nightmare stories. 
Um, I hope that continues as well. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any uh, personal projects aside from professional work that you like to maintain effort on as a way of sort of like keeping yourself fresh, keep the creativity going? Yeah, there's, um, okay. So yeah, there, there's a, there's a handful that I always have kind of like in the back of my head and then I'll forget about them and then I'll come back to them. Um, there's a thing that I, I do have some of it posted on, um, my Behance page. I've posted them on Instagram as well, but you can find a collection of them on the Behance page. Uh, outposts that's just random me doing landscapes with some kind of um, post-apocalyptic outpost thing have no story really it's just like lets me explore a setting uh, so that's one of the little like handful of things uh, but the thing that I'm doing now that I'm I've been really excited about and uh, it, it kind of actually connects to uh, one of the uh, set dressing uh, prop jobs I had um, so at the end of a show, um, the, the, sometimes the leads, it's kind of customary. Uh, they give their crew, uh, you know, a, a gift. It's like a parting gift type thing. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but, you know, sometimes like the more classier leads, they'll be like, oh, I got you something. Um, and uh, on the hollers, because that was the one where uh, I'd gotten uh, hired to do uh, artwork. Um, uh J, J, uh, James Rosenthal, shout out, the props master, uh, gave me uh, a book called, I actually have it right here, I found it, called 642 Things to Draw. And this, this has been, you know, several years ago, this, but uh, when he gave me the book, I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, like, I like the idea. I've never drawn these things, you know, probably haven't drawn these things. Uh, and it's been sitting on a shelf and I've never touched it. But the thought stayed with me and I finally, last year, I decided, uh, it, what the thought was, there's, a tons, there's tons of stuff that I've never drawn, that I've never really thought about how to draw. I've just taken it as it's come. You know, like, I haven't actively sought, hey, I'm not good at this thing. Can I try to get better? I mean, obviously, like, when I'm drawing the thing, like, if I have a character that has, you know, uh, I don't know, red hair or something, and I've never done curly red hair before, you know, that's when I'll say, let me get some reference and I'll put it together. And instead, the approach being, let me kind of study these things independently of a project so that I'm not just rushing through it and I might can find some nuance. So that's when, uh, that's when I decided to do this uh, monthly thematic studies, which at first it was just something I was setting up for myself uh, to do throughout this whole entire year. Um, and I made, I made a list back in November, and I kind of was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then in December, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it on my Discord, and it's just going to be a casual study. If anybody wants to join in, uh, this goes for you guys. If anybody wants to join in, you can do them. Uh, I'm doing them as I can get to them. So if I'm like, I ha have a heavy you know, month, uh, you know, maybe I can only do one or two. Uh, but every month, the theme changes. Um, and you know, a new study starts, uh, and I know it's kind of silly, but at the same time, it's been one of the funnest things I've done where I've like, you know, and, and I've kind of started really slow. Like I did, I think January I did rocks and stone, you know, it's like basic stuff, but I've never really sat down and just did, you know, like a study of rocks, a study of, you know, anything 
like that. Um, so it changes every month. It's super simple, but I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, there's another little project, which if I can get my computer up and running, which I look at to right over there. Um, uh, if you guys know Sam Peterson, uh, we're, uh, we're trying a new format for a show uh, during his uh, Behance streaming times. Um, we're going to do uh, a storytelling kind of uh, choose-your-own-adventure uh, where one of us will be a host and the other one will be uh, drawing or painting based off of chat's input. So, uh, you know, this one, one day will be Sam drawing and I'll be hosting and, uh, you know, taking polls from, ch you know, chat. However, we haven't quite figured out the format. We're doing the test run this week. Uh, so that'll be on Tuesday and Thursday uh, during Sam's Behance streaming times. Uh, but that's no another little, like, you know, th this is the test of it. We'll probably come back to it again and see if we can, you know, make it better. But you asked about projects that I'm doing and, I don't know if anything about that's going to be professional. So, you know, the this... screw professional. Probably better off the less <laughs> professional that it that it is, because I, I I've heard and sort of experienced myself. You know that having fun things to do, like fun creative outlet stuff, that you don't have the like pressure of deadlines or the you know the pressure of uh, or external uh, just external pressure is like very helpful and beneficial for keeping your brain working new ideas mm -hmm. exploring new places and stuff do you do you find that that also helps you professionally like having you know as you say silly things to do <laughs> oh man uh silly is a it's a big part of my life um uh you know yeah, I think I think completely. Like, I like the idea of like I can goof around and do this thing that has nothing to do with the professional thing that I'm doing here. Um, in fact, it probably enhances it. Like, especially on the in the creative side. Like, just there's this idea of uh, just creative play that I think we all lose at some point, uh, or at least it fades. I don't know how to, you know. And if you can keep that going. Uh, and you can ask Sarah who handed me, handed me my drink. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a giant goofball. I make weird noises. I talk to the cats. Uh, you know, I do all this stuff. Uh, it, there's nothing, you know, I, I, I would be hesitant. I would hesitate to open that up to everybody, but at the same time, <laughs> it is part of what I do or who I am. So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Anybody that knows me knows that part of me. So it's now you do too. Have you ever had long stretches in like your artistic development where it just felt impossible to improve or like you had been stuck in a rut and just things just felt backed up? Um, interesting phrasing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Artistic constipation. Yeah, there, there it is. That's it. That's the one. Um, I usually use this little phone right here and make a call. And, no, is that the bat phone? No, that that's a yeah, that's the it's a red it's a emergency line straight to Adobe if I need anything. So <laughs> uh, they don't do they don't do uh, tech support for computers though. Um, I like that they have this like old school like landline cord phone. Too. Right. <laughs> that's perfect right. for Adobe. <laughs> that is kind of perfect. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, have I had those stretches? Sure. I think everybody has a block every now and then. Uh, it, it's weird too talking about this because there was before I jumped into the illustration part of things, um, I would always draw occasionally, but I'd be like, eh, you know, I'm kind of just sketching. Nothing's coming out. I don't care. It's not really my job. I do more animation about, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but now it's like, um, oh no, I, I have to do that. Like I have to get on stream and I have to draw something. Um, and it's actually an old thing I learned from, um, uh, Brent Funderburk, who is a, an amazing watercolor artist, uh, amazing teacher. Um, I think he's the first that taught me this, but uh, it's just rudimentary mark making. Like, just start putting something down. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Even if you're like blindly just kind of sketching away, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Now, this is different than like, I have to get, you know, this commission done tonight and here's the thing I have to draw. That's another thing that like you don't get a chance to have art block. But if you're doing usually the art block comes from like, I, you know, I don't know what to draw or, you know, what it, you know, it, I don't I can't I don't feel motivated. Well, that mark making, if you you can watch my time lapse videos or anything, uh, even if you come to a stream. I just do some scribbles and if I'm just free, uh, like freestyling it, I let something show me what it's going to be on the paper or on the canvas or however you want to put it. Um, and then I just keep working at it. Like it'll be a form, it'll be a shape, it'll be something that pops out that I'm like, Ooh, that looks like a really cool, you know, uh, gargoyle or something. Uh, you know, and it just comes, it comes alive from that. And if I hadn't just started uh, making marks, it would never come. So for me, just that rudimentary mark making is the best way I've figured out how to get through any kind of art block. Like, even if it's not, like, say I have a project that I'm like, I can't think about this correctly. I might just go sketch for a while. And then eventually, even if it's not from the thing I'm actually drawing, it, I don't know, jar something loose, get something moving. I think a lot of it has to do with like, you know you're trying to get to that idea, but just because you're generating something, some kind of idea, it may jar something loose. I don't know. That's always helped me. Whether that helps anybody else, I don't know. You just mentioned having to kind of like get on point and get into the zone for the sake of a stream. You said, okay, got a stream coming up, got to get ready to get to it. Uh, is that something that applies more to when you're streaming for Adobe on Behance? Cause I think you said before that, uh, they have like kind of a schedule for you. There's like a certain amount of time that they expect you to be streaming. Oh, it's just, you can make up your own time. Um, but it only, they will only pay you for a certain amount of time. Uh, I can stream whenever I want. Um, but, uh, I don't, honestly, I don't feel any different on there than I do on Twitch. It's not, you know, it's it's always the same idea for me is I'm going to be drawing, uh, even if it's something I can show and work on and it's for a client, then I'm going to be doing that. If it's something uh, that's just, you know, freestyling, I'm going to be doing that anyway. So I'm going to push the go live button and you're going to get to see it and you're going to make, you know, I get to hang out with people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of benefits to it for me personally. Um, but 
yeah, it's not a, not a big difference. When it comes to pay, uh, you can I mean you can say it's okay or it's not great, but what is the pay like? Like when Adobe pays you to stream, like what's what does that look like? Um, I don't really know that I'm going to like be like here's the X amount of dollars. You no, yeah, that. be as general uh, or vague as you want. Let's keep it vague. It's not bad. It's I would say more than minimum wage. I would put it that way. Which, you know, that's... Is that something that they approach you for? Or, like, is that something that somebody could, um, like, hit Adobe up? Or someone at well, Adobe? I don't, like? I don't think now that's a thing. Like, I think that was for their beta testers. Uh, they approached uh, multiple people. Um, you know, and... Uh, again, I happened to be, like, in a handful of people that were, like, doing it. And they were like, hey, is this something you'd want to do? And they were like, yeah. You know, so it kind of just became that, like, ooh, I, again privileged position um whether they and, and it's uh it's it's month to month so i don't i don't know if they're gonna ask me again because they've, they've already started whittling down the numbers of who they're paying mm. so it, i don't know if they're my hopes are and this is just laying it on the line and if uh and if you're listening adobe i may have to call you um i, I mean i would love for i'd love to be like uh you know the twitch equivalent of partner with them i mean that would be amazing um i don't know if that's their plans i don't you know it's kind of like like anything else we've talked about as long as it's happening and it's something i can do i'm going to keep doing it but you know if it doesn't happen i will pick up the phone and get something else you know yeah i I don't think i've ever watched a stream on behance um don't don't be offended by that i (laughs) i watch your stream a lot of people I watch your stream on Twitch when I can catch it. Um, But uh, yeah, Behance, I always kind of like forget that it's happening, but it's obviously like worthwhile enough for Adobe to keep doing it. What, what is it? How does it compare to Twitch? Like, what is it like over there? Um, man, it's really weird because I know we're on a Twitch stream right now. Um, (laughs) it's a different crowd. It's, it's like, Twitch is kind of like general population, right? This is how I think about it. But you you get a, a few people that are interested in what you're doing, and some of them are there to learn. Uh, I'm talking about Twitch right now. Um, so it's a general population, and you get like a handful of people. You know, say you have a hundred people, maybe five to ten of them are actually interested in what you're drawing. The other are just hanging out. Um, on Behance there's it's kind of a flip if you have 100 people 90 percent of them are probably watching to learn something but like 10 of them are just there to chat and hang out and right 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 over there um and you know there's benefits to both like and, and it goes back to the whole like i don't get much out of uh social media but twitch and behance I love being able to broadcast what I'm doing to anybody that wants to watch it. And it's weird because I want to say, uh, you know, Twitch is uh, international and, and, but I feel like I get more international uh, views. Not that that's like something I'm going after necessarily, but I get more of that on, on Behance. Uh, I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't know what, what that is about, but I've made some pretty, I think pretty good friends uh, internationally. Um, and you know my streams over on 
Behance, uh, I've kind of flipped my days as well. I used to do a lot more on Twitch. Now I do more on Behance. Uh, I get, I've gotten more views. I, I don't know. It, it's a weird, like maybe it has something to do with more um, people interested in learning Photoshop, illustration, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't know. There's uh, a lot. Good. No, I said they both have benefits as far as they're, they're, who's watching. There's a lot less networking that happens on Behance. Like with Twitch, there's the um, st stream teams, which don't really matter, but there's also the raids and hosts where you know, at the end of this stream, at the end of this podcast, we're going to go and hang yeah, out yeah. with somebody that Joby thinks that the, this audience will enjoy watching. Right. And that helps not only just uh, spread the community around, but also helps the streamers meet new people that are new, now new peers, which then maybe become friends. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, Behance is still very new in this. Like, I think all of these things are planned. Uh, there's a, there's like, they don't, they're implementing, you know, monetization stuff now, or at least, you know, they're making that move to do that. Um, so there, I, I think it's still very new, which uh, might be a good time to get in on it. But, uh, Moose was right. There's, you know, there you don't have that raid capability. Uh, you also don't have uh, a lot of people streaming. Sometimes, like you can go on. Sometimes there won't be anybody live, which you don't have on Twitch. Uh, but that also means if you go live, you get a like all the viewers that would be there. Um, so it's a little, you know, it's kind of like uh, you know push pull, you know, sort of. Yeah, on on Twitch. Uh, there's the gaming side, which it basically, I don't know, that kind of more or less is Twitch. It's what they started out as. So I get it that they, they promote gamers, you know, and they like do things to sort of like actively push uh, those things. Although when you come to the Twitch front page, now you also see like a, a lot of like podcast stuff, but it's like sports related or, you know, like whatever uh, finance advice now is i don't know then the art section they're like oh yeah you guys yeah. <laughs> it's like we just don't fucking exist and that always kind of like boggled my mind because it's like why why i mean why i don't yeah. understand what that what that is like we they just sort of like tolerate our presence on behance is there actually like any like active promotion or um... uh yeah actually there i mean yes uh i don't know how far reaching it is but i do know that they do promote like uh behance itself will promote uh some of the artist streamers they're working more towards that um so there have been a couple of times they'll tweet out hey this person streamed like on their official pages you know this person's you know, streaming and this is their schedule you know like they're actually taking notice of who's doing what and they put it out there um now that means that people have to be paying attention to those outlets uh it's far different than twitch you know twitch is massive uh but it also feels like you know it's still very wild wild west you know it's like like you said um uh after moss left uh twitch like the art section kind of went down and at one time it was really big and, you know, it was like, oh, they're they're featuring and they're doing stuff. Uh, and I, I was never a part of that. Like I was in way, way later. Uh, I missed that by a couple of years, I think. Um, but I hear tales of the good old days when Twitch did care about artists and 
occasionally I'll hear another story or two, you know, but now it does seem like, you know, you're, you're, you're just anybody and that's fine. I mean, they, they have to deal with a lot of just anybody's, you know, it's like everybody has their own topic. Um, and that's kind of what it, I think it has to be, you know, cause you know, if you, <laughs> if you promote just the artist, then, you know, the, now the, the, I don't know, uh, accountants will be upset because they're not getting the same screen time. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. You can't promote everybody equally, but I don't know. There definitely are some things that they do that from the outside seems like they're tr actually like oh, trying yeah. Oh, yeah. to like, Oh yeah. Keep us under a rock or something. It's just like, I what are you, what are you doing? I don't understand why they haven't keyed into, uh, you know, the video game and artwork connection. Like I'm sure somewhere somebody's doing something, but, that should be like a put like here are all the artists making um art sorry here are all the gamers playing games here are all the artists doing concept art that you know goes into the games um i, I don't I, I just again that goes back to the, the i don't i feel like twitch is one of those um you know they they put the you know tesla on auto drive and you know no one's at the wheel and it's just going, you know, I don't feel like there's anybody really directing anything. I well, know that's not, probably not true, but yeah, at the, at the top of the art uh, category on Twitch, there's usually Bob Ross, which is on replays. And that's kind of fun to hang out with sometimes, but it's not interactive at that point. Cause it's, you know, the same videos, but uh, on top of the uh, typical, on the top of the, uh, t the art category, there's like Dave Greco with somewhere around 500 concurrent viewers. And then there's a bunch of hentai artists. So I, I'm guessing that when uh, Twitch looks at the top of the art community, they're like, maybe this isn't something we want to uh, put to the forefront because of who ends up uh, rising to the top. Yeah. I think that that could be a promotional thing too, you know, like, or you know, a matter of like how they promoted it. Because if, yeah, if it was just like a general, if they had just like a shotgun approach to it, then maybe they might end up with some, you know, like weird waifu stuff that they you know want front and center but but if bob ross if bob ross is beating out all of the hentai and <laughs> that should tell them that there's something in the rest of the you know us poor plebes down at the bottom that they could probably drag out and those crossovers that you were talking about wade is like happening already you know like i, I know that dave greco will do art for gamers you know like custom uh, you know, fan art for the games that they're playing or whatever. So it, it, all of that is there. It's just, I, I don't, I, I don't get why it's like not. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be like on the front page. Just like don't put us under the rock. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, more more to the point. Um, are you allowed to say what you like more? <laughs> being on oh, being yeah. answer I, Twitch. There's there's no um like they they there's no say over what I what I say. You know that there's no. Uh, NDAs or anything. Um, I I'm enjoying Behance a lot more, but it may just be like because Twitch is doesn't seem to uh, well one just what you discussed. It seems like there's there's not really anything happening to promote anything. Uh, Behance has been more active. That's another thing for me. Like I've done multiple streams on Twitch where it's me and you know three or four bots just hanging out, nobody talking. 
and that's fine too. I'm going to be doing it anyway. Uh, but usually on the on the Behance side of things, I get a lot of you know uh, regulars coming in, uh, hanging out. Some of them are actually doing the Discord stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's a good mix. Um, so I would say, yeah, Behance is 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 a lot better right now for me. Um, and and it's a different crowd, so it may not work for others. You know, like. And and I and if I had had and I sort of do if I'd had like because uh, there are some Twitch regulars that come in, uh, so I'm not leaving at any time. Uh, right, Moose comes in all the time. Um, but if there was like a bigger put, like what's weird here's the here's the difference. Except from the exception of Moose, there's been only maybe one other person who has said I'm going to go over to Behance and watch Wade stream. However, I've had uh mercurial annika steve like people i can name personally who have made the transition over to twitch to watch me on wednesdays that has not happened the other way uh so you know i, I don't know and it's all anecdotal because this is my experience so with a uh, behance it seems like more of a bring your own audience thing so i've noticed that like sam will have some people from his community go over and watch him over there but um I, I don't know why it was not uh, it's just a uh, happenstance that it's not happening for you. Well, it's because I didn't have a have a very big audience on Twitch. That's probably what it was. I mean, you know, Sam has a has a much bigger following, so was, maybe that's part of it. Joey the Saint in the chat mentioned that they assume that Twitch pushes the streams or the types of streams that generate the most revenue for them, and and I, I I'm sure. That's that's true. It's everything is a business decision. Again, I just don't understand the business decision behind some of the things that they do that seems to like derank the art like lower. Like I mean, they put art into a subcategory of something else, you know. And then it's like music and cooking has its own separate. They have their own separate channels, but then art is in like IRL or something crazy. And again, the Bob Ross thing. It's like. I know Bob Ross is a that maybe it's not like a fair thing because Bob Ross is a fucking cult icon and people love like hanging out with bossy Bob, even though it's not really Bob anymore. But also it's like, man, there's, there's people in the art work, like, you know, people in the art streams, there's lots of art streams, there's lots of people wanting to, to be there and see it. Um, I just think it's kind of funny that, uh, the the twitch is apathetic to uh the art community but the biggest streaming art community is on twitch and then there's behance which is trying to be the uh the new art community place to stream and the art community is apath uh, has no like real interest in going over there unless they're getting paid right yeah i mean and that yeah exactly that's a i think you nailed it with that one because you know a lot of times it's like what is that going to do for me well you know, it it might be another case of what you put into it is what you will get out of it. But that's that's to be seen because you know, Behance could go down tomorrow, but so could Twitch. You know, it more likely Twitch, seen. at least the art community portion of <laughs> the, 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 they take right. down the art section. They're like, nah, no, no more, uh, no more anime. Just chatting, just, just chatting. You can yeah. just do it under just chat. That's what it. That's what it feels like sometimes. I remember like way 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 back they didn't even want art at all uh i 
I tried streaming tattooing like years ago. Uh, and another guy at the shop that I work with, he was trying to do it. And um, they like, they booted it. They were like, no, like you, you cannot, you cannot do this. And then they, 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 they didn't want artists at all. And then like they, people were doing fan art of, uh, uh, of games, of video games. And they were like, well, okay, maybe that's related. So we'll let that, but <laughs> and that's kind of where it stayed the whole time. It's like, all right, we'll, we'll let you be. But, um, bring this back to you, Wade. Um, but kind of coming into a bit of a wrap up, uh, I had a kind of silly personal question for you. Uh, but it is true. You always seem very relaxed. You, you always seem very calm. I never hear you really complaining a lot, you know, and everything is like very chill. How, what the world is on fire, if you haven't noticed, wait, how do you, how do you stay so calm? Do you have a, a regiment that you can give to the rest of us? Um, the best thing I can say, look, first off, I'm glad it appears that way. I definitely try not to like, freak out and raise my voice and do all the things that, you know, can seem like you have a loose end. Uh, but, but I can attest to, um, uh, when I play rocket league, which I, I do sometimes it gets a little crazy and, uh, I blame my teammates. It's not me. I promise you. Um, but no, honestly, the best thing that I've ever done is just, just a regular exercise, just regular, like even if it's a walk, even if it's something like just breathing, practicing, you know, doing uh, in and out breathing that's um, repetitive, kind of calms you. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a medit like I, I, I've wanted to do the meditation thing, but I just have never really, you know, it's like I don't, I don't, I'd never bought the starter kit, so I didn't know how to do it. Um, but yeah, just exercise. That that's generally it, um, and and also it kind of plays into like remember yourself um try and be kind to others you know like someone else is probably having a much harder day than i am even though like i'm dreading figuring out what's wrong with my computer it took me now it took me i was in a panic and it took me like 10 minutes to go through look it's fine it you know i've done this before i've had i've had projects do um where uh I've lost work, you know, the day before. Well, I'd say lost work. I've had hard drive failure, but I had backups. But then I had to re go recover the backups, uh, you know, day before something's due. But if I had freaked out and panicked about it, it wouldn't have happened. Just like if I'd have freaked out and panicked about this, we wouldn't be talking right now. I'd be like, oh, I can't make it. But, you know, I didn't want to let you guys down. Um, and I knew we'd have a great time. So... I was like, I'm not giving up my good time just because that hunk of junk is going to cause me problems. Well, that's awesome to hear. I hope that you have had a good time. Um, where would you like people to go to find you? if They wanted to find out more about um, you and your work. Uh, you know, like everybody else, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's Wade at Wade Acuff. Um, that is, or, or I guess, yeah, it's Wade Acuff, Wade Acuff across all platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow me there. You can see me on Twitch on Wednesdays uh, around seven, and on Behance uh, five thirty to seven thirty on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Are we ever going to have a watch party of uh, Return of the King where you point out all the rocks that uh, you didn't work yes. on? Yes, 
Yes, let me answer that for you. Yes, we are. (laughs) Well, I guess we are then. Uh, If that's something you guys want to set up, I'd be more than happy to do that. Are you serious? Yeah, if y'all want to do that. Oh, man, that'd be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of nudging. That's fine. I've seen the the movie itself a few dozen times. Now I can uh, can go through uh, and... uh, not have to hear every word. Uh, <laughs> you could point just dialogue. recite it for us. Yeah, yeah. That that's going to be awesome, dude. So everybody listening, stay tuned for announcements on that. Uh, um, Wade, our trademark famous final question. Aside from work and personal projects, what's one thing that's happening in the world that you're excited about? Oh man. Um... I'm so looking forward to traveling again. Like, I know we're not quite there yet, but I just want to go. I just want to go places. And I'm excited, that even, even if I don't wind up going anywhere. Right now, I'm super stoked about the idea that eventually we'll get there and I can roam around the country, maybe see some of you guys. I don't know. Um, but that's what I'm excited. Like, you know, this last month, I think, We've seen, I'm talking about COVID specifically, we've seen the numbers dropping cases per day. And, you know, we went from like almost the same as when we started this to starting to dip down. I'm super excited about that. And, you know, if we can just send the rest of our vaccines that know that people are choosing not to take or whatever they're, they're, you know, good for them, their situation, if we can just get it to people that do want it, perfect. I mean, globally, let's just do it. Yeah, and I'm gonna mention uh, get if you if you're waiting for the vaccine, get it now because there's a chance that when you are ready for whatever reason to start getting it, they might not be available anymore. They may have shipped it out to Canada. They may have shipped it to Mexico. They may have shipped it to England or uh, Italy or Spain or whoever or India, whoever's having the problems, and is an ally of the United States. They're probably gonna get the vaccines, and they might not have the supply for you anymore. So get it now while it's available. That's my two cents. Oh, and I'm also excited for the uh, uh, for the thing we're doing Tuesday and Thursday with Sam, Sam Peterson. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have uh, a link about that. I'll make a note. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to have information about that in the show notes for this recording. Um, but on that note, Wade, thank you so much, man. This has been great. You've had a lot of awesome, valuable information for us, fun stories. This has been great. Everything that I hoped for, man. I don't uh, miss Larry well, at all. Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys. I really do appreciate it. I mean, it was it was a good time, and I, I love talking about the stuff that I don't ever really get to talk about. So, thank you for giving me a, a place to talk about it. Yeah, but maybe the people we'll... that are uh, watching your um, streams on Twitch or on Behance, they can always prop you uh, for more questions about this stuff, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, cool. I'm gonna wave goodbye. And all right.